0: Grambled eggs all over my face. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to rumble. I'm
1: Kit Garrison. I'm Brian Gill. I'm Richard Barton. And this is Mad uh, About
2: Movies. You sound insane. You, realize that? <laughs> yeah! The whole world got crazy. Is
1: It's It's
2: showtime.
0: <laughs> Mad About Movies is your go to podcast for all things cinema. Every week we meet and talk movie news, movie rumors and rumblings, and break down a chosen movie of the week. Don't worry if you haven't seen it, because we'll warn you before we head into spoilers. And stay tuned till the end for weekly recommends in which each of us suggests something awesome that you need to check out ASAP. And remember, you can find all of our episodes on our website at madaboutmoviespodcast.com.
1: This week's movie of the week is what, Brian? This week we're going to be talking about Bennett Miller's Foxcatcher. Do
0: you have any idea who I am? Some rich guy calls you on the phone. I wanted to speak with you about what you hope to achieve. What do you hope to achieve, Mark? I want to be the best in the world. Good. Finally, guys.
1: Yes. I
0: feel like we've been waiting for this one for far too long.
1: Yes, because limited release.
0: Not only that, but uh, this movie's been delayed a a number of times, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Uh, I feel like we were talking around this time last year about this movie, talking about how it was supposed to come out last uh, Christmas season. And I think they wanted to sort of put it on the film festival circuit a little bit more, get the buzz up, uh, take it to Cannes, and all that good stuff. And um, the buzz is pretty high coming into this for me. And, uh, you know, there's Oscar talk for a number of these performances uh, coming into this as well. So, like I said, finally we get to talk about this. Yes, oh, the woes of a limited release. Uh, such a bummer sometimes. We live in a very, I feel like, big market too. Top yes. five market in the country yes. in Dallas-Fort Worth. Uh, I, I would say the Bay Area, L.A., New York, Chicago. Chicago. And yep. that, It's really the only places bigger as far yep. as a movie release, I would think, as far as the number of eyes that could see a movie. Yes. So.
2: In Orlando.
1: <laughs> Des Moines.
2: <laughs> Des Moines. is <laughs> not part of this country. Yes.
1: It, limited release is the bane of our existence. I, I despise limited release. It makes me – it's a very antiquated bit that needs to go away.
0: It makes honestly no sense sometimes. And I understand the, the concept of independent cinema and yeah. uh, distributors that don't have the time or budget to uh, put into some of these movies. But when you have a movie that is – in the running for the best film of the year yes and it doesn't make money it's because it wasn't out and nobody could go see it it's not because it's not a good movie or people yes. don't want to see it it's because they can't it literally
1: physically can't go see it so. especially when you are pushing it as hard as yeah. as the studio pushed Foxcatcher. we've been seeing uh trailers and posters and stuff for it for literally for months before it it opened and we could not see it for a month after it had been out like that's and again, we live in the fifth biggest media market in the in the states. Like that's insane. It's so frustrating that we have to deal with that kind of junk. Yeah, here we are. I, I think it should be a rule, a, a yeah. law. Uh, if you're going to release your movie in less than, say, 500 or 800 theaters, then you also have to release it video on demand same day. You can yeah, charge 15 yeah. bucks. I don't care. I would have paid 15 dollars to see this movie two months ago.
0: Yeah. No. Yeah, I agree. And there's still films yet to be seen. By us uh, that are mm. in contention for this year. And, uh, you know, once we hopefully get to see those in the next week or two, uh, we'll do our best and worst of 2014 episode, uh, yes. which should come round out the the month of January before we move fully on to 2015's offerings. And uh, so here we are still with no inherent vice. We get it this Friday. We do. Okay, good. So... That was another one that I'd circled that we hadn't gotten around to see. And American Sniper, I think, yeah. is wide release very early I think soon. by
1: next week we will have access to at least all the movies that, that are important, that okay. are going to matter. We get Selma this weekend. We get Inherent Vice, American Sniper. So we we can do it now, but we're like – you know, we'd love to have done a top ten episode the first week of January, but yep. we
2: can't. And I'm going to be a jerk here. I'm going to be a jerk here Okay. because you guys are nice. Many of you are probably asking, hey, you guys are critics. You guys have a pretty large listenership. Why don't you guys get screeners? Yeah. And uh, we would love to get screeners, and we would love to join a critics association, especially locally here in the North Texas area. Yeah. Uh, Consider we probably have a bigger listenership slash readership than most people in the Critic Association do. But they make that nearly impossible.
1: Yeah. It's yeah. real
0: fun. Another chance here to rant about the local DFW <laughs> Critics Association. They they haven't updated their site website in like four years. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. something. And that's uh, just inexcusable. And we're and bigger they than wonder you and why... better
2: than you and we will crush you.
1: <laughs> and if you harm a hair on Richard's head, we will burn your organization <laughs> to the ground.
0: They wonder why print uh critics are becoming irrelevant. Well, it's maybe because they don't put any effort into Yes. What they already have uh, access to, so
1: yeah, it's a bummer. Yeah, this what has been, been melancholy can. about movies. This has <laughs> been,
2: this has been. But seriously, yes, we will what? come after you
1: <laughs> if you don't
2: listen to your organization. So yeah, we could do that. We could could do our
0: best and worst list episode, but it wouldn't just it just wouldn't feel right to do that episode and then immediately after talk about inherent bias and American Sniper and all those because right. right. that just. Continuity—we're all about yeah. that on the show. So
1: we want to have all the information we can possibly get before we uh, we do that sort of sure. thing.
0: <laughs> before we talk Foxcatcher, fellas, uh, I have one—a small thing that I want to talk about. The movie news this week. So let's do that. Right. Movie yes. news. Yes. Rumors and rumblings. That's awesome. Let the filibustering begin. So, so it is 2015. And it feels weird, of course, again. Uh, but this is this is a big year, fellas, for movies. Uh, we've been talking for the past couple years about how 2015 is going to be something big, something special. Uh, it can't be any worse than 2014, I think, especially for um, just box office numbers-wise. I think 2014 was a 19-year low. Not a very encouraging sign from that point. But, Brian, like you said, maybe sometimes... Maybe people are moving more towards that video-on-demand style of viewing. So sometimes people will want to see a movie, but uh, they know that in two months they can sit on their own couch and watch it in glorious high definition for basically cheaper than taking their kids out to see it or something like that. So a little bit depressing from that standpoint, but I I think 2015 will reignite some public interest in movies. At least that's how it's looking right now.
1: I think there's two two points to be made because I've seen a ton of uh, blog sites and stuff like that posting blurbs about how how bad this is the end of good you know of blockbusters and the uh, the industry is so down and all this sort of stuff. and I, I yeah, it's been a, you're right, as you said, that's been this is a, a 19 year low. it's really bad, but I think there's two points to that and one is, this is a this is a bad year for blockbusters. This was just kind of a crappy year. We weren't really that stoked about most of what came out. We well, we, we talked have to about
2: transcendence.
1: <laughs> well, we talked about it going into the year. Of this, did kind of feel like the I don't know, like the redheaded stepchild of of the movie industry because next year is going to be so big, yeah. and two, and twenty thirteen was really big too. So it just kind of got left behind. So besides Guardians and uh, I know Transformers did well both here and and overseas, but there just weren't that many things to get excited about. And so, I'm not willing to say, you know, the movie industry is in trouble or the theater industry is in trouble uh, until we see how next year goes. Because I think we're going to get a big bounce back on that. The second point, though, for me is part of the bl- part of the blame goes on the theaters themselves for not making the theater an enjoyable environment yeah, anymore yeah. you know and that we, i feel like that has been a major uptick this year of the number of movies i've been in where somebody has had their cell phone out the entire time or somebody's been vaping in the movie or just <laughs> people being first off, i have an addiction
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: trying
0: um, to quit okay
1: can, can
2: i tell yeah. you guys can i give you guys some cool news i don't know if i've talked about this on the podcast but uh so uh, a lot of people, a lot of people know I've been hanging around Dallas a little bit. No, but some of you may know I work in a for a technology company during the day. And have you guys played around with Oculus Rift at all? Are you, are you familiar with it? Yes. I talked to you guys a yeah. little bit yeah. about it. Yeah. So one of the things I play with it on, and Oculus Rift is a, a VR a virtual reality tool that you actually uses your smartphone. So it's basically a little headset. You put your smartphone into the eye part of it, and it. Uses your It's just like when you did virtual reality in the 90s at the mall. You move around and everything moves around with it. But one of the coolest use cases that I've played around with on it is a movie theater simulator. And it's the craziest thing, Brian. It would trip you out. But you put this headset on and it completely blocks everything out and you tap the screen. And you are in a movie theater. So the screen is looks like it's 70 feet in front of you, even though it's maybe two inches. And you can look around. You're As you move your head, you look around. And there, it's you're, You have the best seat in the theater. You're right in the center of probably a 300-seat theater. And no one is in there with you. It's just all empty seats. But you can literally look up and count the tiles on the ceiling. You can see popcorn on the floor if you want. The seat next to you is right there. There's a cup holder. And it gives you that complete... Theater experience, but it could be on demand, like in your own house. That's you awesome. know, it's pretty crazy. It really is awesome for those of us that love watching things in that theater, uh, movies in the theater, but also um, hate uh, humans. This right. is a great, <laughs> yes. this is a great kind of uh, uh, use case. in what am I? Look, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, compromise in a, in a weird way. Sure. So I just want to share that with you yeah. guys on the thing, but look it up. The listeners, you guys should look it up. Um, yeah. Oculus Rift, Samsung, Oculus Rift is its own company that's doing this, but they have one that they've kind of made in, uh, along with Samsung and you put a Samsung phone in there and, and all kinds of fun things can happen. Probably a lot cooler and more technically insane than a movie theater, but I'm a simple person was most impressed by that. Yeah. So there's even popcorn on the floor in our virtual world too.
1: That's
2: yeah. Yeah. And and a weird a weird couple like kind of just in the back. (laughs) Is the floor sticky in the virtual world? Can I tell you guys the weirdest movie story ever? Because we have a short episode this week, it's not a lot of movie news. I don't think I've ever told you guys this. So when I was like late high school, early college in the summer, I was working and my mom I always had Mondays off. So my mom and I had this tradition where we would kind of go on like these cool like uh hangouts on mondays in the morning so we'd go to california pizza kitchen because we're awesome and then we'd <laughs> go see a movie whatever came out that friday we'd go like monday at like you know eleven thirty in the morning when no one was there so we went to see mission impossible three one time with uh philip seymour hoffman tom cruise and uh we're about 15 minutes in and it's delightful it's just us and one other guy in the theater And we're sitting there, and we're about 20 minutes into the film or whatever, and another gentleman walks in, and you just kind of think, oh, he's just late or something. I don't know. It was a little weird because it was pretty late into the movie, but whatever. And he just kind of very methodically walks up the steps, walks into the theater, like into the row where the other random guy in the theater is sitting, and (laughs) just beats him without mercy. There's blood everywhere. Not a word is exchanged. So we leave the theater, uh, not the building, just the, the theater we were in, and like, go tell a manager, like, um, some crazy person just walked <laughs> in. And we didn't know if there was, like, you know beef between the two. Maybe he knew he was at the theater and he was going to settle some hash or if it was just, like, a random face yeah. beater. Well, it turned out it was the latter. Oh, and God. the police came, and this guy just – his deal was he just liked to walk in the movie theaters. And, and this the guy we found out later who got beat up was, like, a 69-year-old guy. Oh, my gosh. Um, and – Anyway, the the assaulter tried to flee the scene, but he didn't own, uh, what do you call him, a car? And so <laughs> he was just kind of wandering this, while well, cops chased him like uh, Benny Hill, nice. just sort of like, you know, da, 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 and just wandering on this empty parking lot to movie theater, like, 1215 on a monday <laughs> afternoon in the summer of 2006 and it was the weird and they just gave us all these free passes like please god don't tell anyone this happened <laughs> yeah. and and it was the weirdest movie going to experience my life. so i say all that to say yes that also happens in the virtual reality
1: <laughs> that was actually the inspiration that's encouraging yeah
2: so every fifth movie you watch uh, this crazy person comes in <laughs> This this conversation is making
0: me never want to go to a movie theater again. I don't know how it's warped into that, but
1: I don't know. I've uh, been in plenty of theaters recently where I had hoped somebody would come in and beat the tar out of somebody. <laughs> the I mean, somebody specific, not just a random guy. But uh, yeah. you know, no, I know, the people I who that. are bringing a four year old into an R rated movie and eating Genghis <laughs> Grill like in the movie theater, I'd be okay if they got beat up a little bit. <laughs> that actually happened, guys. Yeah.
0: Some, I would have actually preferred it over a million ways to die in the West, but uh, <laughs> it can't be undone.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, no, but I just wanted to talk a little bit and look at kind of ahead to 2015 and uh, sort of the upcoming release schedule. And I guess we can talk since we're actually in 2015 now. If we, how we, you know, how the outlook is looking for this year. So I guess we should start off with sort of the obvious ones here. Coming up later this year in May, we have the Avengers Age of Ultron. The spring is kind of la- kind of laxed, it looks like, as far as release uh stuff goes. Uh
2: you're you're skipping one.
1: Uh fast. Yeah. yeah. April third, yeah. I think. First, something like that.
2: And pitch perfect too. I mean fast.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean Avengers Age of Ultron is is a hyped one. We also have Jurassic World later this year, which we're getting a full trailer to both of those. Uh, fairly soon if I'm not mistaken. And I'm I'm assuming we'll be talking about those uh in the next couple of weeks, so look forward to that. Of course, fast uh or I should say Furious Seven.
1: Yes.
0: Uh coming out later this year. Does this rank on your number one anticipation list? I know it probably does for you, Richard, right? Uh, for
2: twenty fifteen. I it's it's it kind of fluctuates between Star Wars, which believe it or not I am excited for. Um Tomorrowland which yeah. I'm really excited for, and Fast. Wow. Fast, I just know I'm just going to be a big old bucket of tears the whole time. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's quite a list you've got going. It could be worse. It definitely could be
2: worse. Yeah. And Paul Bart 2. I, I forgot. Oh. Also, Paul Bart 2 I'm excited about. <laughs> Paul Bart, Mall Cop too.
1: Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry. Give sorry. it the respect, respect it's deserved. Yeah.
0: <laughs> we have Mad Max sequel called Fury Road starring Tom Hardy and Charlize Theron coming out later this year. Uh, kind of an unnecessary reboot slash sequel; uh, those are to be expected in this day and age. Speaking of unnecessary reboot reboot slash sequel, we have Terminator Five: Terminator mm. Genesis with a Y.
1: Yeah. Um, so you know it's good because yeah. I feel yeah. like anytime in a title you can replace the letter that is supposed to be there with another letter, you're just letting everybody know this is the most awesome movie of the year.
2: <laughs> well, exactly. When has <laughs> that
1: not worked out? Yeah.
2: Hey, can I read you guys the cast for Paul Blart on Cup 2? Because <laughs> I'm on do. this now. Kevin James returning as Paul Blart. Molly Shannon. Neil – second build, by the way. Molly Shannon. <laughs> Neil McDonough. Um, Lonnie oh, Love. Care. And Anna Gasteyer. Oh, and um, Nicholas Turturro. The other Turturro. <laughs> <laughs> so you know this is Man. a piece. Because it's be it, be fantastic. The first Paul Blart made a lot of money. So you think at least some people would be like, all right, I'll do it because it made $200 million or whatever. But the best they could get was B Team Totoro. Yeah.
1: Ugh. He good, goes to guys. Vegas
2: in this one, though. He goes to Vegas, yeah. though.
1: I, uh, I, Paul Blart was one of the three movies that was playing on repeat on the cruise that I went on five years ago. So I watched parts of it about 100 times. That's why I will never go on another cruise, the main reason. I watched Prince uh, of Persia. Prince of Persia. Oh, jeez. So.
2: Just broke my spirit. <laughs> in in its entirety, Brian, with commercials. Oh, man. I did mean, all the way through.
0: Gosh. You missed, yeah, Brian, you missed our Jake Joan Hall Prince of Persia conversation oh, a couple of weeks ago when we talked Nightcrawler. Good grief. Always That's a good a, time to that combo. Movie.
2: Yeah. I liked Prince of Persia, Brian. I really? I don't no. believe you. No, yeah. I didn't. I didn't. I. You know what, though? Kent heard this, but I'll make it quick. I, uh, I didn't and the listeners heard it too, but who cares about them? I didn't <laughs> mind the story that much. I think the guy that wrote the story who also wrote the video game was not bad. Uh-huh. I hated the dialogue and acting of Prince and Persia and the yeah. effects.
1: But I've I only seen like... it the, the once, but I believe I gave it like a B minus or C plus, you know, okay. something like that, where you're like, eh, you know, it was a movie. I don't know. It was way better again, than I but... thought it would be. Sure.
0: Yeah. I said in that episode, and I'll say it again, Jake Gyllenhaal is has a lot of things. One thing he isn't <laughs> is Persian.
2: <laughs> That's uh, just like your opinion, yeah. man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's minute. that's actually fact. Yeah. Uh we have coming up later the conclusion Pangea, bro. <laughs> the conclusion to one of this year's biggest films, The Hunger Games Mocking mm-hmm. Part Two. Yes,
1: yes. Uh which
0: I'm assuming will be quite the fanfare. This spring, uh Matthew Vaughn's Kingsman, The Secret Service.
1: Mm-hmm. It,
0: heard anything about this one? See, I I've heard it's getting trailers. pretty decent reviews from early it, buzz.
1: It's starting to win me over. I was yeah. not into it the first seven times I saw the trailer, but uh I'm I'm starting to uh get beaten down into, yeah, that might not be bad.
0: Yeah. It's uh 100% right now. Yeah. An in early good. indication. I hope it's so. good
1: because I'll say I this, I too. every year I write uh for my blog, I write uh, most anticipated movies of the year, and I break it into two parts so that I can do 10 movies for the first half of the year and and 10 movies in the second half and uh the first half, I, I sat down yesterday, the day before, to make my list and kind of figure, structure the whole thing, and I could not find 10 movies that I was legitimately excited about. Like, there's a bunch of movies like the Taken 3s of the world and the Kingsmen where I'm like, you know, I'll see it. I don't mind. I'm not going to hate it probably, but I'm not genuinely excited about it. And in the back half of the, se- of the year, I think – and we don't even know what the you know the Oscar contenders and that sort of thing are going to be yet
2: because uh, mm-hmm.
1: those usually pop up as the year drags on. But I could besides I could
0: like- besides the second best exotic Marigold h- hotel. I
1: mean <laughs> yeah. that's I mean that's clearly number one on my in list. and Mordecai. Yeah. 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 Oh gosh. Go ahead. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> I could, I can count like fifteen or sixteen movies in the back half of the year that I was legit excited about. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a very backloaded year. I think. Not to say I'm not super stoked about Avengers and Furious Seven and Tomorrowland and uh,
0: freaking Star Wars, man. The, uh, Come on. Well,
1: yeah, that's that's a given. What's the What's the Ron Howard one? The uh, in, in the, the, heart, heart the, the Heart of the Sea. Heart of the Sea. I'm yeah. really excited about that. That looks really good to me.
0: That's coming out in the next couple months. So yeah, that's like we'll March. actually be having a podcast out on that one pretty fairly soon. Yeah. Uh, speaking uh, in podcast terms, mm-hmm. uh, we Those have
2: Listen, don't be scared off because. Uh, our best episodes. If you're new to the show, it's true. Our best episodes are normally the worst movie. Like yeah. so, these it's, next few months, wow. even though there's not much yeah. coming out, and we will total strain total. to see yeah. these things. Uh, it may end up being the best episodes of your beloved <laughs> yeah. Mad About Movies.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. Still waiting on that draft day sequel because that will be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, we
2: get now sure. you see me too. Is that that's, that's next even. year? Yeah,
0: yeah, unfortunately. Oh man, I think we get that and um and Batman v Superman like pretty uh, much back to back though. So oh <laughs> double feature. Yeah, can't wait. Uh we have Inside Out the Pixar film uh yes. coming out this summer. Uh trailers are already released for that. It looks to be something special of course. Uh mm-hmm. hopefully. Uh we have Jupiter
1: Ascending. Oh, in yeah. the first first that's, couple months next month That's the one actually. to look for listeners. Yeah. That's that's <laughs> the one that uh may be quite enjoyable for uh I'm going to go to the dentist beforehand
2: questions. and just knock it <laughs> Oh, just man. Get some teeth pulled to make it a perfect yeah. day.
1: I'm not at all excited about seeing that movie, but I am really excited about talking about it with you guys.
2: <laughs> I'm going to go to the dentist after seeing the movie so I can end the I'm day. I'm going to try though. as hard
1: as I can to, to veto <laughs> that
0: in favor of Seventh Son because <laughs> <laughs> those are, believe it or one. not, the same one. day release. Yeah. So. really,
2: I was thinking about doing an Inherent Vice Taken Three double feature this weekend, <laughs> but that might top it. <laughs>
1: We do have Taken Three uh, Taken this weekend. Taken Three is uh, like fifty percent on Rotten Tomatoes right now. Wow, Man, that means it's good. good. Oh, it's no, three, that... <laughs> three fresh and three rotten, so it hasn't gotten. Pretty
2: <laughs> but I'm telling you, that means it's good. If Liam <laughs> if that kind of Liam movie is fifty percent, that means it's going to yeah. be good.
1: I really enjoy Taken One. Taken Two is really bad, but uh, I
2: don't I'll, think I saw Taken Two.
1: I'll give it a chance.
2: Did we, we podcast Taken Two? No, we
0: didn't. Know. No, no, that was. No, I don't think I saw it. Ago. But,
1: but I will tell you a major plot point involves uh, spoiler alert, listeners. Yeah, spoiler alert for Taken Two. So Liam Neeson ago, gets, gets taken right. Okay. Yeah, Liam Neeson gets taken, and uh, one of the ways that he figures out where he is is he has his daughter, who is miles away. It seems she is in a in a in a uh, hotel room up high. And she throws grenades out the window so that he can hear the boom and he can tell how far away she is and and uh, kind of pinpoint his location.
0: You mean uh, most like people don't have
1: e- echolocation built into their <laughs> yes, nervous yes. system?
0: So I don't. Yeah,
1: it's not a trait it's, uh, me. It was something.
0: <laughs> that's that's insane. No, I the funniest part about Taken Three, and I I don't know if we'll do an episode on it, but I just want to say oh, this, we are. this tidbit. Hopefully, we do. Um, the fact that Liam Neeson's like, there's no way, I'll, I'll do another take in. I'm done. This is it. And like, what if we pay you $50 million? Okay, I'm in. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. That's literally that what went down. The, so. Yeah. He yeah. yeah. got like 30 up front plus some back. In. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. insane.
0: So there he just has to show things. up in Liam Neeson all over the place, yeah. and he's good.
2: Slipstick.
0: We Crazy characters. <laughs> uh, the two Hemsworth films uh, prior to Avengers coming out, Black Hat, uh, it, it looks looks pretty bad. It looks like a cyber thriller, which you, those
2: are always pretty what lame. What are you doing,
1: Michael Mann? What, are well, you what was that movie yeah. with Ryan philippi
2: and Tim Robbins as Bill Gates? Ooh, I don't I know. No many of my my fr- <laughs> Ryan Phillippe
0: film, filmography is lacking.
2: The
1: Lincoln Lawyer. Well, it uh, should be
2: because he he was freaking Dixon Piper. He was. You guys remember Antitrust?
1: Yeah. Rachel Lee Cook. Yes.
2: And uh, the hot English that, girl. Oh man, I've seen that like 30 times. It's terrible. Claire Fulani. <laughs> she was a total babe in the late nineties. Oh. It, this looks like if Michael Mann reshot that movie, but it looks like <laughs> the technology <laughs> yeah. is still yeah. the same. I don't yes. understand.
1: It looks like it looks amazing and everything else is terrible. Cause yeah. Michael Mann knows how to shoot a movie, but man, you need to it's, come on, dude. Yeah.
0: The other Chris Hemsworth film we mentioned earlier, Ron Howard's in the heart of the sea. This Which just, is about the story that inspired the story of Moby Dick. Yes. So th- this could be something cool, and I love Ron Howard. So yep. looking forward to that.
2: Yeah, my girlfriend read that book and said it's outstanding.
0: Great. So oh, we have Neil Blomkamp's newest effort, Chappie, coming out. Short
1: Circuit Three, mm-hmm.
0: basically Short Circuit Three <laughs> slash District Ten. <laughs>
1: I like Blomkamp, though. I'm excited I, I do like to Bomb see Camp. what he does. So.
2: Producer Steven maintains that short, short Circuit 2 is the greatest movie ever made. <laughs> not kidding. That's his number one film oh, wow. of all time. Definitely arguable. But, I uh, was a, <laughs> not Short I was Circuit a, 1. Yeah. Short Circuit 2. Well,
1: Short Circuit 1 is terrible, but I was a big Short Circuit 2 fan as a kid. So was so, I, but yeah. as a kid. The airplane scene. Yeah, yeah, like the model airplanes. Pretty, pretty powerful. Uh, well, this movie stars Di
0: Word, so we oh know it's going to be good. Oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we have uh, Tomorrowland, of course, coming out later this year. Uh, the sci-fi thriller, yes. or sci-fi blockbuster, I should say, from Disney and Brad Bird and uh, Damon Lindelof. So we'll have to look forward to that. Trailer is already, or teaser trailer, I should say, is uh, pretty pretty exciting. Yes. yes. Uh, definitely uh, qualifies as a teaser. We have a live-action Cinderella uh, Kenneth Branagh is bringing us from the directorial chair uh, that Disney is also uh, bringing to us in the first half of, of 2015. I believe that's a spring release, yeah. uh, keeping with the tr- tradition of Oz the Great and Powerful and uh, mm-hmm. Alice in Wonderland and, and, and movies like Maleficent. that. Maleficent. Yep. And Maleficent uh, coming Snoozefest. out. Snooze yep. Fest. Snooze Fest uh, to kick off the year. So uh, we're
2: quite used to those. I do like uh, Kenneth Branagh, though, as a director. Oh, yeah. I do too. And yeah, uh, do.
1: Haley, Haley uh, Atwell is in that movie as well. Oh, there oh, okay. you
2: go. I like her.
0: We have, um, believe it or not, a Quentin Tarantino film released this year. Uh, the hateful eight will come out this, uh, fall. So there's an Oscar one to circle, uh, from early indications, I'm guessing will be, uh, will be the hateful eight. Uh, the screenplay uh, alone was, uh, you know, n- very, uh, well publicized, uh, last year. Uh, mm-hmm. so, I'm looking forward to see his screen version of Hateful Eight, Despicable Me spinoff called Minions, and that looks that didn't already come out. No,
2: that came out
0: July. Unfortunately, those Despicable Me movies come out, but all you ever see is the Minions anyway. So I don't understand the point of this. Kids love them. Yeah, kids love them. Uh, We have uh, a, a trailer for Ant Man. Is dropping in a few days, Marvel's Ant-Man, that comes out this year. So look forward to that conversation in the coming weeks. And I guess we should wrap up this uh, conversation by talking about uh, the only movie coming out this year, in my opinion, The Wedding Ringer, starring Josh Gad and <laughs> Kevin Hart uh, coming.
2: I will say, um, that the movie's not going to be good, but it is the best-looking Kevin Hart movie I've ever seen by, like, a lot. Like I can at least see how that movie got made. It's basically it's a,
0: Hitch, isn't it?
1: Just a remake of yeah. Hitch.
2: But I mean, Kinda, Hitch yeah. made yeah. Hitch made like 150 million or whatever. I mean, I know Will Smith is. Yeah, we like Will Smith more than Kevin. No, Hart, Kevin but,
1: Kevin Hart's a, a movie star. I mean, yeah. Kevin Hart movies make money when yeah. a lot of a lot of other quote unquote movie stars movies do not make money. So not he's like, more of a like
2: movie dude. dwarf planet. I wouldn't go full <laughs> star. Sure,
1: sure. But they no. cost nothing to make, and they always, always yeah. come out very profitable. So I, I can't blame Hollywood for making Kevin Hart movies. I just wish that as a, as a society we would decide, you know what? We're, <laughs> we're done. We've got enough. We've got he the seems Ice like Cube movie. a nice guy,
2: too. He really does seem like a super nice guy. Kevin yeah. Hart does.
1: Other but- notable,
2: notable films I
0: should round out before we move on to our Foxcatcher talk, guys. Mission Impossible 5 yes. coming out this year. Pitch yeah, Perfect yeah. 2. Uh, SpongeBob b- movie, Sponge Out of Water. <laughs> coming out, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, the film. Kill me. Kill uh, me. Another Kevin Hart affair with Will Ferrell called Get Hard. Dude. Also coming out, uh, we have the Fantastic Four reboot.
1: Oh, Miles, Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, my mild Jordan. excitement for that one.
0: With Miles Teller. Because uh, of Josh also. Trank, the director. And Josh Trank. Uh, I hate sorry. Miles
2: Teller, though. <laughs> Even though Whiplash rules, I'm sure it's just... I still hate that movie from last year. Yeah,
1: what was that called? Y'all uh, really spectacular y'all, now. There's, y'all hate that
0: way. Y'all y'all put way more too much thought <laughs> into like hating that movie. Just I do forgetful.
2: Like, just just move on. It was, <laughs> I think because I went into it really expecting it to yes, be really good. Totally, really? Like,
1: I expected it to be like what it was. So just a, it like was ninety eight percent high school. Or- I thought that was going to be a great movie. Yeah,
2: Yeah. it was like 98% on Rotten Tomatoes, and it had a good trailer, and it was abysmal. I would rather watch Antitrust with Ryan Phillippe and Tim No (laughs) way, no
0: way.
2: (laughs) The movie was pointless.
0: Oh, it was pointless, but there are a lot uh, more movies.
2: Cheyenne Woodley, that's when she got, you know, that was just, she lost it for me,
0: yeah. The reboot of Peter Pan coming out this summer, Pan, it looks kind of... Pretty oh, ridiculous. Hugh Jackman. I like Hugh Jackman, but I, I, I just Edwin. no. Yeah. Uh I'm not I'm not anticipating Pan. I love Peter Pan way too much for them to do anything else to it. Honestly. I saw
1: the trailer for it today on the like on yeah. the big screen and it looked good. So that I mean from an aesthetic standpoint, it looked good. I hadn't I hadn't seen it in a in a movie theater till today.
0: We have Ted Two coming out. We also have, like I mentioned earlier, Mordecai with Johnny Depp. We have a Magic Mike sequel, and we have Seventh Son, and uh, that's really it. And of course, uh, rounding out the year, we have the Peanuts film and yeah. the Adam Sandler Pixels, yeah, starring that Josh Gad. Looks like
1: too. it could be interesting. Just looks like uh, a Wreck Ralph, uh, yeah. live action Wreck It Ralph, basically I, with that. And, and I'm really excited about the Good Dinosaur too. The Pixar, we're getting okay. two that, Pixar movies this oh, year. Oh, okay, yeah.
2: Cool. Really That's cool. Yeah, well, fun. Well, lots to look hey, forward guys, to. Hey, guys, we've been doing, we've been talking about 2015 since we started this podcast. Back when this podcast was a radio show. Yeah, we used to be excited about 2015. It was right. years and years ahead of us, and we are here, gentlemen. And let's enjoy the movies this year. Yeah. Let's just get to April and let's have some fun.
0: That's right. Well said. And on that note, guys, let's move on and talk Foxcatcher.
2: Coach Dupont has a vision. He would like Foxcatcher to be the official training site for the national team. What's he get out of all this? What are you thinking?
0: This is it. This is all that we've we've ever wanted. Mark, you have been living
2: in your brother's shadow your entire life. It's your time now.
0: Brian, I'll let you start this episode off. You're the first person to see this of the three of us, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, You had to go out to a modern art museum to see this movie. Yeah, yeah. Kind of crazy circumstances, but... uh, Talk to us about your anticipation for the movie and uh, general thoughts on Foxcatcher.
1: I was very excited about this movie and have been for a long time. Uh, as Kent mentioned at the, at the outset, uh, we were supposed to get this last year, and then it got bumped for whatever reasons, I think, to finish off some stuff and put it in a better release year, too. Uh, it's got Last year was pretty stacked Oscars-wise, uh, and this year is not. So I think it gave it a better chance to, to get some awards and, and all that good stuff. I love this cast. I never would have guessed that Channing Tatum would be an actor that I really look forward to from a performance standpoint. Five years ago, that just never would have crossed my mind. But he's so talented, so I was excited to see that. And of course, as you know, we're all big Steve Carell fans here, and, and seeing him take on a completely different role than anything he's ever done before was was uh, very exciting. So it's a weird movie. It's it's very quiet. Uh, which kind of took me by surprise. It's, to call it a slow burn I think would, would undersell it a little bit. Like there are long stretches within the movie where really nothing happens, but you're never uh, – you're far from bored. You're, I think the, like a good thriller, I think the longer it goes between uh, you know real events taking place or, or explosive uh, violence or actions or whatever – the longer it goes between those things, the the, the tenser you get and the the more – I think in, for me at least, the more enthralled I kind of became with what was happening on screen because really what you've got is three uh, great actors. And I've never been a big Ruffalo fan, um, but he is so – man, he might be the best part of the movie honestly for, for me. Anyway, you've got three great actors who are just acting and uh, Bennett Miller just – I don't know. He took a very unique – direction in how he was going to tell this story. It's a very odd story and I'm sure there are way more facets to it than what you're going to get in the in the 2-hour runtime, but anyway, overall, I was very very impressed and uh it's grown on me since I saw it. It was a very strange theater experience. I like I said I, w- I had to see it like a modern art museum, which is a great theater, but it attracts yeah. a, a strange crowd and uh, <laughs> it's it's not necessarily you know
2: Was it Dallas or Fort Worth?
1: Fort Worth. Okay. And and I love the modern in, in Fort Worth and I see a couple movies a year there. Uh usually like documentaries and stuff like that. But for whatever reason this was this was planned for one weekend and so anyway, it's it's a strange experience because I the that theater doesn't have the greatest speakers and and the 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 uh, screen is a little bit small compared to what I might get at you know a, a big multiplex or whatever and so it almost made it to where like the audience was a part of the of the movie, which can be good and bad uh so that's just a personal experience but uh just as a movie overall, I was very impressed. I think all three of these actors we'll talk about more as we go I'm sure, but I think all three of them deserve a lot of attention. Bennett Miller did a great job with. There's only like five or six explosive scenes in the movie, and I think he made them pop so, so very well. Uh, I'm, I'm very impressed. Yeah, Richard.
2: You know, Bennett Miller is an interesting director because he's someone that came out of nowhere in a way with Capote. He grew up with Philip Seymour Hoffman. They're like childhood friends and came up together. That's why Philip Seymour Hoffman's in so many of his movies. And, you know, but his movies. He he honestly hasn't made really a bad one yet, and he's but he's not really thought of yet in that upper tier of kind of the younger you know with the PTAs, Mm -hmm. um, the Tarantino's and that kind of generation of directors. And I'm not sure after watching this that he doesn't belong at least close to there. Yeah, his movies definitely have uh, a a feel and look to them, and it's kind of an interesting blend of like a little. A little PTA, a, a little Fincher, a little, you know. And, but you're right. He, he, he operates in the sparse really well.
1: Mm, um, that's a great way to put it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And he, he really understands that and how to make that not boring and how to really make you thirsty in a weird way for, for more, which is, it's a fine line, right, man? Cause it can also just be boring as crap when done wrong. And uh, he because he, Capote has some just and that movie, too, just you're kind of there's some stretches where not a lot's going on. But you're so nervous because of the darkness and a yeah. lot of just aesthetics of it and the the level of performance that he's able to get. Out. I think he, he comes from an acting background. So I think, you know, he's not someone that, you know, there's two types of directors, right? There, there's or I guess three. There's the cinema, basically the glorified cinematographer that just know how to shoot something. Um, and then there's the person that really knows how to direct performance. And then there's those rare guys that are, are good at both. He really knows how to direct performance, and I think you know, he's great. His, his movies aesthetically look great too. He shoots a movie great, but he he really is almost a theater director in the way he he just yeah. begs these performances out of all of his actors, and they're they're large and they're intense and they're gripping, and they're they operate in a way that the material, even if the material is is like I said, sparse, you're just glued to these these people. And he casts really well. A lot of it helps that when Philip Seymour Hoffman's your best friend in previous movies, that's a good best friend to have when you're casting yeah. actors. But you know, now with him gone and finding someone like Carell, who I, I've said forever and on this podcast a bunch of time, I think is one of the best, like three or four actors in the world. And I, mm-hmm. you know, being from Dallas, Brian and I can tell you, people always we always get angry because uh, for those of you who don't follow sports. Uh, we have a player that's played in Dallas, we mentioned on the podcast a lot, uh, named Dirk Nowitzki. Dirk Nowitzki is a weird player because he's very tall, but he's a very good shooter. And people always say he, in, he's the best, you know, one of the best big man shooters of all time. And Brian and I always say, you can remove big man from that. He's just one of the best shooters of all time. Well, that's right. how we feel about Corral. They always say he's one of the best comedic actors in the world. Well, you can go ahead and move, remove comedic because he's a fantastic yes. actor. And he's nuanced in ways that hardly anyone else is. And he's smart, and he's captivating, and he takes his time, and he really gets in it. And But he oftentimes, so far at least, has played characters that are not so much a complete metamorphosis of him. You, know, you, you look at something like Little Miss Sunshine, which I thought he's fantastic in, something like The Office, which mm-hmm. is silly and goofy, but he's utterly unbelievable in it. And I don't think you could put... <laughs> that many of our great, I don't think Leonardo DiCaprio could do The Office in the yeah. subtle way that, that Steve Crow no could. No really And but they haven't really been transformative performances in terms of the physicality of it and things like that, like this one was. And so he he was he was great in, in recognizing that goes to Miller finding him and in trusting him with that role when I don't think a lot of directors would. And he's he's really able to get that. And like you said, Brian Tatum and Ruffalo, I think are both acquired taste for their respective fans there's people that really love sure. Mark ruffalo, and there's people that they're really similar in that way where they're kind of 50 people really like what they do and the other 50 percent are i don't think dislike but are always kind of like we- wary of it right i think sure. ruffalo and, and tatum both get that they were both excellent as well and i i thought you know we we're talking earlier about the spectacular now and I'll shut up because I've been talking for four minutes we were talking about the spectacular now and that was a movie we went into with huge expect or large expectations and were really led down by and this was somebody something that I had just enormous expectations for uh given the talent involved and i it 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 lived up to those I think it was a really excellent just slow burn of a brutal movie and, and I really enjoyed it in really fascinating story too. And we'll talk about that sooner, but Kent, you go on and now you can do your 25 minute monologue and I'll sit over here and
0: drink water. It might not be that long for me. This is definitely a slow burn. That's a good word to use to describe it. I don't know if it was worse than I expected, but it was just different than I expected. I, I expected this to be more of a thriller, honestly, more of a twists and turns than it ended up having. To me, it felt more like a biopic or a biographical thriller than it did the the a, th- a thriller per se. Mm. I, I think the trailer sort of lent itself to more expectation, in in my opinion, for the events that occurred. I mean, I really I don't know about y'all, but I really didn't research this at all the the actual story behind this. So you know, I didn't know what was going to happen. And there's a scene in the movie, and it's also in the trailer where. Uh, John Dupont, Carell's character, just walks into the training facility with the gun, and you're yeah. just like, "What is going to happen?" Mm-hmm. At least I thought that, and it ends up in the movie uh being not as serious as it you know could have or should have been, uh, and he's just sort of in there to, to rile up the troops, and people don't like he walks in with the gun and people just kind of glance over at him like, it's no big deal. oh." John Dupont's walking in here with a gun. Like I, I figured somebody would tackle him or something. <laughs> like, holy crap, he's got a gun! You know mm-hmm. that doesn't happen. So, I, I thought it was going that direction. Not to say that uh, I'm disappointed by the direction it went, but that's just where I expected it to go. Um, and I was also anticipating to be talking about Steve Carell a lot more. Uh, but I mean, there are three very strong performances in this in this film, and I think Ruffalo and Channing Tatum deserve more credit than they're getting yeah, in this in this case. I, I think they might be better than Carell in this in this movie. Although Carell's performance is is uh transcendent and we'll talk more about it here in a bit. But I was just Channing Tatum is something special. He really yeah. is. Uh this this is a, a fantastic performance. I mean he really transforms into this character not physically enough to the level that that carell does of course uh but i mean his mannerisms his movements his entire attitude changed uh for this and uh he's a likable person but i mean he does a lot in this movie that you don't like him and he does a lot that you do like him i mean this is a guy that can make an audience feel any way he wants them to and and you don't see that very often but uh, I was blown away by Channing Tatum in this movie. I just wanted to say that up front. And also Ruffalo, Brian, you mentioned it a little bit. We're not we're not big Ruffalo people on the podcast. I think we've given him a hard time for now. You see me enough times in the past, <laughs> and uh, and some of his other work in in recent years. So not always great to see him, but man, was he good in this? I must admit, uh, it took me a while to even recognize him. Uh, to be honest, especially Mm. in the beginning when he's lurching around like a gorilla. Yeah. (laughs) When him and uh, Mark Schultz Channing Tatum's character are working out together and stuff and sort of sparring together. Bennett Miller really gave these guys opportunities to act and not just act Mm. like two characters sitting across from each other and having a dialogue back and forth. I mean, they, they they were able to get into this movie physically from every angle that they possibly could I mean these guys he gave them an opportunity to transform into these characters you know and that's that's something that we saw with with Moneyball and Jonah Hill and uh and of course Brad Pitt and you know Seymour Hoffman's performances Oscar winning in Capote so it's to be expected but man I I think when it's all said and done I don't know if this movie will get the recognition it might deserve i don't know if this is a best picture front runner right now i think it'll get a. it's it's you know in the top 10 it's a nomination worthy but i don't think at least anybody in my circle or, or people i have talked to about it consider this the best film of the year but i think you can make an argument for these performances uh you know and it'll be it'll just be really interesting to see what ends up happening with this and I, i'm sure steve carell will get a nomination right for yeah. this I'm sure yeah, that, Channing I Tatum
2: will
1: as well I think Carell is a definite Tatum Tatum may get lost in the shuffle and I think little this little.
2: is the movie that it's that you know um what Little Miss Sunshine was for Carell he didn't get nominated for that did no, he no
1: no yeah
2: there, it always takes two I think like I feel like Jim Carrey's mistake was not making another serious movie before Truman Show Mm-hmm. because you have to have one that establishes that I'm serious. And then a second one that you can get nominated for. And I feel like this will be Tatum's. Oh, well, this guy's an ac- can actually act. And then whatever his next serious movie is probably Jupiter ascending. Uh, he'll get nominated for.
0: <laughs> well, the, uh, the pointy ears will put it over the top. I'm <laughs> Jeez. No, I, I really think that uh, Carell has a, ch- has a shot at this, uh, but I don't feel like supporting actor is a big, stacked category this year that's the only reason i say that's that true. about channing yeah. tatum i feel like the lead actor there's a lot of people that will we, we've mentioned you know michael keaton of course uh, i think ralph Fiennes actually has a shot at leading actor for grand budapest i think that's just a fantastic performance as well but i don't feel like supporting oh, actor is, so is a really is a, is a category that's uh I mean, I mean, of course, Aaron Paul's performance in Exodus, Gods and
1: Kings is probably going
2: uh, <laughs> Yeah, right now we have, for Golden Globes, for supporting... Yeah.
1: That, that's if where Ethan Tatum Hawk, is, is in trouble. Is, yeah, is, is because he supporting up. or is he... Or is I think
0: he, he, supo- uh, I think it would actor. be Carell, lead actor, and then Channing Tatum, supporting.
2: That's what I would think. Well, uh, Golden Globes have it as uh, Ethan Hawke. The opposite? Hawk. No, no. Uh, These supporting yeah. actors for motion picture. Uh, Ethan Hawke, Robert Duvall... Come Edward Norton, J.K. Simmons, and Mark Ruffalo. So the th- issue is, with Ruffalo and Tatum splitting the vote, I think Ruffalo will get it. The nomination, that is, not the win. Yeah. But I don't think I don't know, they'll both tough. get nominated. Yeah. I don't know if they'll both get nominated. I just feel like Ruffalo probably is a little more established in that award mm-hmm. scene, and uh, I think he'd get the nod. And he's older over Tatum.
0: Yeah, maybe. Uh, uh, the, the movie revolves around Channing Tatum's character. Yeah. It, I mean, that's... That's the only reason I could see him getting more recognition for it, and I I seriously think if I was to rank those three performances, it's like Tatum one, and then Carell and Ruffalo are one B and C. You know, yeah, they're they're right up. I mean, we're we're comparing apples to apples here. Yeah, honestly. they're
1: all tremendous and they all deserve it. I don't know if they're all going to get it, does, but they definitely all deserve it. the The physical transformation that Tatum and Ruffalo especially undertook for their roles. Like people don't actors, they don't get credit for bulking up and becoming physically becoming a character if it's a big guy. It, it, it's only like when uh, Christian Bale loses uh, fifty or sixty or eighty pounds for The Machinist, you know, things like that is where we tend to pay the most attention to that. But they had both of those guys had that wrestler gait down to a team oh man, and yeah. Just, I mean they they the had seen that- the scene
0: where Channing Tatum uh, is introduced to the Foxcatcher yes. Farms uh wrestling facility uh-huh. and John DuPont uh Carell's character just takes him into the wrestling yeah. workout room and it's just a wide shot and Ch- Channing Tatum just starts basically working out by himself. Yeah. Uh-huh. He looks like a, a cla- like a technically trained wrestler. I'm I'm sure that Tatum had a wrestling experience in the past. If not, yeah. I mean, what a commitment to learn yeah. all that, you know, and the, study uh, it.
1: Yeah, the opening scene pretty much where Ruffalo and, and Tatum start kind of sparring or whatever you call it uh, was – to me was kind of a mesmerizing scene because, ve- again, it's very quiet. Uh, but this the pops and the hits and the, the various moves that they're making, I thought that was a, that was a stunning scene, uh, which is very – kind of an odd thing uh to get really excited about that early in a movie, but I felt like it introduced those characters perfectly and kind of showed you, okay, these two dudes brought it. This is not just we're gonna go out here and be wrestlers. Like they, they see you got the impression that they had really studied what they were doing and who they were playing.
0: Yeah. What what how do we feel about Steve Carell moving forward as a serious actor? Do you think this is a one off like, you know, he'll do one serious film every couple of years and get it, you know, get people talking about him, IE like Jonah Hill does, mm. or, uh, do you think he's going to start moving down this more serious path and not do, you know, the incredible Burt Wonderstone too, right after this or something, you know, <laughs> uh, he's got, he's got a lot of potential for both sides of his career, unless they make another Evan almighty, uh, that might <laughs> he's got, happen.
2: uh, his next movie sounds like a laugh riot. Um, it's directed by Peter Sollett, st- co-stars Ellen Page, Julianne Moore, and Michael Shannon, who's hilarious. New Jersey car mechanics Stacy Andre and her police detective girlfriend, uh, Laurel Hester, both battled to secure Hester's pension benefits oh. after she was diagnosed with a terminal illness. Oh, man. So it, it's definitely who's a happy – ma- it, It's a happy Madison joint. Um, oh, no, it's, no Oh, my kidding. gosh. I'm kidding. It's Peter Sollett. <laughs> Um, who did Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist? Um, mm-hmm. Nothing else. That
0: sounds yeah. like it'll be small. That that'll be the uh, what was it called? The movie he did, Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. Remember yeah. that one?
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, last year wasn't it? Twenty thirteen.
2: And then so. he's got a movie called Acme, which apparently it's a Looney has, Tunes. Yeah, movie, a Looney Tunes right? movie yeah. with the bad Santa guys. Okay. So that's that's always got. According
0: to IMDb. I mean, the, the real question is, we're talking about this this year's awards show. So will he get nominated for Foxcatcher or Alexander's The Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day? I mean.
2: <laughs> That's Jennifer Gardner's picture. I mean, she
0: carries that. <laughs> she does. Steals the show. Yeah.
1: You can't take that from her.
0: She she has that and draft day this year. So things looking up for. And those Capital World Gardner. commercials.
2: Yeah.
0: So. <laughs> uh no, let's talk more specifically about this uh performance by Carell. A little weird to see Carell in something so serious. And uh how did you guys feel? Were you weirded out all, at all by this performance? I mean, it, it, he's very creepy in this in yeah. a good way. Yeah. Um and he he accomplishes that uh really to perfection here the creep uh, aspect. I mean, he's such a versatile actor. It really is an incredible. And what's what's frustrating about it is I you know I've heard a lot of interviews with Steve Carell. I mean, he's done the the late night circuit and everything promoting this. People have him on podcasts and such. Nobody ever mentions The Office. I know. When in talking to him, the yeah. like people just forget that that was a part of his life and that guy was on that show for almost a decade, you know, but does people do people just don't associate him with that show? And for me, not not just because I'm a fan of the show, but he was so closely associated with the character Michael Scott that uh, for me, anything he does outside of that, I have to first remove the Michael Scottness from whatever he's doing sure. and, and do that. I mean, did y'all have any of that in this movie? You know, yeah. Uh, it's kind a of bit. it's kind of it's just weird to see him doing something so serious and be good at it. You
2: know, it's it's yeah. it's, it's very strange. Yeah, there's. It's interesting. It's um, you know, he definitely. It's, it's like me out. Ace
0: Ventura going and doing the Truman Show and be like, "Wow, yeah. I didn't expect that." That's kind well, of yeah. But he he tapered in a
2: little bit, he right? Did, a lot yeah. more with something like Crazy Stupid Love, which is a more of a it's a comedic but more restrained performance. Little Miss Sunshine, which is yeah. a funny movie, but he's not really funny in it at all. Um, Dan in real life, uh, the aforementioned uh, seeking a friend for the end of the universe or whatever. Uh, so he, it way, wasn't way, as, back. way, way back. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. About that. Really dark character in that. It wasn't as so much as a, um, it definitely, this darker and more of a lead role. Cause a lot of times he's done supporting stuff in his more serious role, but this, this was definitely getting in. He definitely went into the steps of the pool instead of diving in, like someone like Carrie did. Uh, but it didn't surprise me at all. And I, I wouldn't pour anyone that's listening. That's not an office fan. Even if you don't care for the comedy, I I certainly understand I love The Office personally, but I can I can get that the comedy of that show may not be for everyone. But j- just watch an episode of that. And just just watch Corel and watch how nuanced that is and like mm-hmm. how delicate that performance is. It's not a broad comedic part. There are parts, yes, where he screams and gets a laugh and things like that. But watch the little ticks and things like that. It's It really is a master class. And I think playing that character the way he did, the, the way they wrote for it, really was a, an incredible lesson for him as an actor. And he came out of it. Uh, a really a really great actor. And the person I always compare him to is someone like Steve Martin, who's so funny and such a great comedic actor, but fits right in in a serious movie if needed. Robin Williams, too. And so, uh, yeah, it wasn't a surprise at all, Ken, no. to answer your question. Yeah. It wasn't weird to see him do something serious at all. Uh, it was weird because the character was weird. It was, whatever creepiness or weirded outness I felt was certainly uh, uh, authentic to that, that role.
0: Yeah, the roles like this that I always compare it to is that Robin Williams performance in One Hour Photo. It just, there's something about performances. I, I know I compared one earlier this year. I think Jake Gyllenhaal and Nightcrawler I compared it to, just to kind of, yeah. you don't know whether you're going to trust, you should trust the guy or not. I mean, you know, John DuPont, this is the perfect example of that. Uh, in Channing Tatum's character of, is this guy for real? And uh, you know, is he really going to give me all that I want and and lead me through the Olympics, or does this guy have ulterior motives? And he keeps you guessing the entire movie. Let's talk about his weirdness a little bit. Steve Carell's character, the scene where they're doing co- cocaine in the helicopter, <laughs> yeah, kind of crazy, very memorable scene. I will admit, but um, this guy's freaking nuts, John Dupont. Um, yeah, I knew nothing about this guy. I knew about the Dupont family and the Dupont Corporation, of course. Uh, but had no idea the background of that, and if this guy was like this, what an insane human being to go purchase a tank and then to get upset that it has to have a fifty caliber machine gun attached to it! Like, what is this guy's deal? I was just, I was very intrigued by just what the heck was up with with John Dupont, and I think that's mainly this movie. Uh, like I said before, I expected a lot more to happen. In this movie, there to be more twists and turns, more there to be more of a story like Moneyball is such an interesting movie uh, in my opinion. You know, things happen and it's it's really very cleverly written and, and well done. There's a lot, a uh, lot to learn in that one. And I'm not big into wrestling, <laughs> you know, Olympic style wrestling.
2: Yeah, you're a and, WWE guy.
0: I'm I'm straight. Uh, only MMA, you know. But <laughs> but off. But Bellator only off-brand MMA, <laughs> not UFC. Kane uh, wears only I mean, tap out gear. Just, I mean, it was it took a lot for me to gain an interest in this subject matter, and what kept me interested was the the Dupont character. And now I know that's that's the point of this movie. But uh, to me, I was just wondering if it was going to be. If it was going to turn into a movie at any point, like Mm. in Nightcrawler, where when Gyllenhaal's character goes to the house and then witnesses the murder, that's when it turned into a movie to me, you know. And I was waiting for that moment here, and it really just felt more like the story of Mark Schultz, who's Channing Tatum's character's relationship with Carell's character. That's really the movie, and then you know Ruffalo's character is of course thrust into it all, but. I just wanted to reiterate that. Yeah, I expected a little bit more to happen in the movie, but Mm -hmm. what did happen kept me interested. And, you know, (laughs) this guy's a talented director, Bennett Miller. He really is. He really knows how to even use music to a great effect. I mean, that's not said enough nowadays in movies, is that somebody knows how to pick songs and, and score a film and knows when to use music... Uh, and fade down the natural sound of a something, I and mean, there are several scenes in the movie where it 's there 's no sound, and it 's just showing you know the wrestling trials or something, and all you hear is music and you you see yelling, you see fans going crazy, but you don 't hear the fans going crazy and uh man Bennett miller is is talented and i'll i'll i 'll reiterate that, and he does deserve to be uh thought of in the new upper echelon. I think this movie will do it for him though. I think this this movie will gain him a little bit more respect, a lot more respect, actually.
2: Yeah, and Fundamentals too. Who's the screenwriter who also wrote uh, Moneyball and Capote with, yeah, with Miller uh, or wrote and then Miller directs is also he who's an actor who was the son in the Birdcage. A lot of people don't know that um, yeah. was in a Mighty Heart and a few other things too. But uh, is an excellent writer. I think these scripts are are really good and they don't try to be. Um, there's something kind of great about. Uh, well, this is the dumbest statement ever, ever. But there's there's something great about the dialogue of someone like Tarantino and uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. And not only is it good, but it's showy in a certain way. And there's there's yeah. ideas being with Tarantino. That's more just the, the beauty, almost musicality of it. With someone like PTA, it's the, the the kind of philosophical ideas behind the dialogue, and that's great. And it's it's good because it's good, and it's also good because it's showy in a way. It's kind of showing off. And what I like about yeah. Miller's scripts is that they're not really. And I I don't mean, and that sounds like the most back-added insult ever. They are, the dialogue is interesting, but it's not showy at all. Yeah. It's grounded in a weird way. And it doesn't, it just, it's it's really minimal. It's not
1: poetry. It just says what needs to be said. Yeah, Yeah. exactly.
2: Exactly. And it doesn't ever attempt, there's never a line that's Mm. weird or, you know, I I thought Moneyball really was excellent in, in terms of that. And that's a movie that I have a few issues with, I, I, I didn't like it as much as some, but it's, it's Same. really good. And, um, in, in a, in a lot of ways, but, uh, I think I, I read the book and I was just confused by the movie is probably my issue. Um,
1: no, I'm with, it, I'm with you, Richard. I, I'm much more, I, I thought, I thought Foxcatcher was a much better movie than, did you like Capote? Well, yeah. It, yeah. Capote's fine. I will probably, I've watched it one time and that'll probably be the only time yeah. I ever watch it. It's not, yeah. not a movie that I, just, I have any desire to, I think to see I've again. Seen it. And, and this is probably closer to that um, yeah. on that scale. Whereas Moneyball, I would be you know be happy to watch Moneyball again. I just don't think I to to your point, Kent. I I'm the opposite of you on this. I I was never that interested in the story of Moneyball. Probably because I knew the story of Moneyball and I yeah. know that it ends in an ALCS and no one cares, you know? And <laughs> oh yeah, I knew th- that. This yeah. was much more, th- I was much more interested in the story of like, what the heck is going to happen with this guy than, than I w- was with anything with, within Moneyball. And and again, that's this- not to slight Moneyball. It's just, this was a much more compelling, interesting and, and thrilling thing to me uh, you know than what- Moneyball ever was. No, definitely. You know what this movie and Moneyball do have in common, though, Brian? What's that? They both completely
2: leave out Mulder, Hudson, and Zito. So that's... that's- <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do. Moneyball was my number one of 2011, oh, wow. if I'm, I'm remembering oh, correctly. I think yours was Drive that year, Brian.
1: It was, yeah. Yeah. God, yeah. Brian. yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> that was a down year, because I remember Girl with a Dragon Tattoo being high on my list that year yeah, as well. Yeah, that was well, a It it was an odd
1: year. year. Uh, I was looking at my list the other day, just kind of getting a feel for all that stuff. And Drive is a movie that I saw once and I never want to see again because I had this great experience with it in the theater and I – I'm a hundred percent sure that if I saw it again, it would downgrade significantly, and I don't, I don't ever want that to happen. I really yeah. enjoyed that movie the one time. Those but good movies that uh, year. yeah. The last Harry Potter movie was a great movie. Fifty Fifty is a great mm-hmm. movie that no one ever talks about, and Tinker, Tailor, Soldier, Spy came out that year too. Yeah, Midnight
2: in Paris way. and Ghost yeah. Protocol also. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. it's cool though because the artist won Best Picture. So that's right. So that's yeah. yeah, which again we haven't mentioned this in a while. The <laughs> artist. Yeah. By far, leaps and bounds.
1: Yes, this is with, not questionable. So, with not not up for debate. Deer, yeah,
2: but we will say, and we are not afraid to make statements like that. Super Eight, also that year. But the artist, the best black and white film of 2011, maybe even yeah. the decade, maybe <laughs> even the decade. You yeah. mean
1: the best silent film of 2011? Oh yeah,
2: I'm sorry, best silent. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah. Let me rephrase black, that. I, yeah, best silent yeah. film.
1: There's probably some art house movie uh, that's in black and white that, that contends with it at least, but silent black and white movie. Definitely. (laughs) best
2: one of at least that three year period. (laughs) You can't argue
1: it. Yeah. I'm willing to give it a five year span even just to.
0: (laughs) For me with Moneyball, the, when we talked about in the past, the the front office aspect of professional sports is such a cool thing to get a behind the scenes look at if it's done correctly i.e. Like e Moneyball. Day. If it's not done correctly, i.e. draft day, it can be a piece of crap. Uh, but Moneyball was such a refreshing look at uh, something that could have actually happened and did happen. So I, Brian, I like the interpretation there. I There's just so many memorable scenes. I don't want this to be a Moneyball podcast, but <laughs> there's a lot of great memorable moments in that movie. But
2: Brian and I have an announcement, um, and I'll just go ahead and take take this one, Brian, but uh, we have Brian and I have been working on a little side project Ken, and we, we want you to direct it, but we haven't brought it to you yet. Uh, but we are working on a behind-the-scenes front office on um, film on the Houston Rockets with Jeremy Piven as, as Daryl Moore. Oh, gosh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Count so, me out.
1: No.
2: <laughs> Not if I had to work.
0: You sure? Yeah.
1: Kimbo Slice plays James Harden.
2: Oh, well in that <laughs>
1: case. And uh, that Piven.
2: dancing baby from the 2000s <laughs> plays Dwight Howard. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm in in blackface <laughs> let's fo-
2: let's
0: let's close out uh, let's close out our thoughts here on Foxcatcher uh, is there anything spoilery specific we should talk about should we go into spoilers before yeah, we end yeah we this? should
1: probably talk about the conclusion okay
0: yeah uh, spoilers, coming Spo- <laughs> spoilers coming up now and win the
1: Olympics spoilers coming up now for uh, for Foxcatcher uh, Brian how do you feel about the end I thought it was great because I I I was into the thriller aspect of the movie and I just had this you just know for me at least I just ha- I knew something bad is going to happen at some point at some point this is all going to come to a head. I didn't know what it was going to be. I didn't know anything about this story and and that probably helped. <laughs> when that I mean it's just so it, it was to me at least it was so shocking and violent the way that, that it goes down where he shoots he shoots Mark Ruffalo's character Steve Carell's character shoots mar, shoots Mark Ruffalo's character, and it's. Uh, I thought it was a very effective payoff for two hours of of tension, and that's always the that's always the kicker. I think with with a thriller or a any kind of tense situation sort of movie, like you've got to have. A, a great or a powerful or a shocking ending to kind of to make it all worthwhile, and for me, it totally worked. And so I thought it was. Uh, I mean, there were people in my theater, and again, I was seeing it with kind of an odd audience, and it's an older crowd and whatnot. But there were probably a dozen or so people that literally like gasped very loud uh, and and, and kind of had the scream and all that stuff because it does. It kind of comes out of nowhere. He's just driving. He's talking to. Uh, to Schultz and then Dan Schultz and then all of a sudden his gun is out and 10 seconds later he shoots and then there's a couple more shots. And it's – I was very impressed with the way that, that Bennett Miller pulled that off. It, it kind of made the entire movie pull together for me it, maybe in a bit of an odd way because it's very tragic and uh, horrible and everything. But uh, just from a movie-making standpoint, it really, really hit home and really worked for me.
0: Yeah, I want to mention real quick – John Dupont's relationship with his mother—that is also uh, hammered home by Bennett Miller here. A lot of his motivation seems, or John Dupont's motivation seems to come to come from his need to impress his mother or seek yeah. approval from his mother. So Vanessa Redgrave plays Jean Dupont. Yeah, and um, I liked how they how they depicted that, especially the scene at the end when he releases all the horses, John DuPont uh, releases the horses from the farm and everything. <laughs> it's really sad that all of this was for that, you know? And I think there's other motivations here. I think, and Steve Carell's been asked this and talked about it, uh, but it wasn't something that Miller really wanted to... It, it wasn't something that Miller really wanted to hammer home. The fact that John maybe had feelings for some of these wrestlers. Uh, mm-hmm. Mark Schultz, like... Feelings of love, you know,
1: romantic romantic
0: feelings. love, romantic feelings towards these people.
1: Yeah, you did kind of leave that up in the air, and I, I think if you've been following uh, the Mark Schultz Twitter debacle, I guess is a fair enough word at this point. I think Mark Schultz definitely took that from the movie that there was some sort of underlying homosexual relationship between the two of them. Yeah, um,
0: I think it's. Yeah, I think it's to be expected and uh, – I mean not expect – I mean I think it should be talked about. I think that was a certain – that certainly has to do with how his character ends up and maybe even sees Ruffalo's family life and mm-hmm. maybe is, is sort of jealous of that aspect of his life and everything and just maybe leads to more of his motivation to kill him later. Yeah, maybe.
1: it's a very odd – it's worth the listener, and you guys as well, if you haven't done so, it's worth kind of looking up some of the background on all of this and John DuPont in particular because mm-hmm. dude was straight crazy. And yeah. uh, there's a lot of really weird things from his life, especially his life during this time period that are completely nuts. And uh, I-, I think Bennett Miller did a great job of picking what to put in and what to pull out because that's that's a major part of your – I don't consider this necessarily a biopic, but that's the major issue we have a lot of times with biopics is like there's just so much overstuffing and trying to fit all this stuff into, into one movie. Uh, I thought he did a great job of like picking what do we put in and what do we leave out. But it's definitely worth looking up uh, because there's a lot of – I mean there was a lot of crazy stuff going on with this guy at this point. Yeah. Richard,
0: thoughts on the end?
2: Yeah. I, unlike you two, I was very, very familiar with the story. And so well, I was really interested in your point of view because I, I didn't think you guys were. Um, so I, I think most people watching it will have the reaction you guys have had. And that's awesome that it was so effective in things. I, I was the rare case where I, I had read about this, um, a lot for some reason before those moves even being made. I, I, someone referenced it at some point in my life and I looked it up and then kind of, it's such a weird story. It's easy to kind of obsess over. And so it was, you know, it was the serial podcast before serial, I guess. And, uh, <laughs> And uh it was a really interesting interesting case. So I, I knew, you know, that, that DuPont would, would murder Schultz, but uh it was it was done beautifully. It's a weird thing to say, but yeah, it was done really well. I just before we give
0: grades, I just have to mention the scene where Channing Tatum finds out, you know, finds out he, he won't be competing, goes nuts in the hotel room.
1: Man. That
0: yeah. that one that's the moment where I was like, Okay, this is a nomination. Like, yeah. like, just show that where he smashes his head into the mirror, and punching himself constantly in the face, and ends up going crazy, and uh, you know, g- gaining all that weight and stuff. And when he smashes his head into the mirror, and it's all one take, mm. and you see just shards of glass sticking out of his head and blood. Dri- I mean, that's like. I mean, Bennett Miller had to have been behind the lens like, holy crap, did that really just happen on film? I mean, that was just an incredible moment. Uh,
2: it, but I feel like it was cheapened a little bit when um, he got on the merry-go-round thing <laughs> right after that. Well, he jumped on it backwards, so yeah, it, it was actually pretty impressive yeah. looking back, When he was John DuPont the whole time, I was like, <laughs> wow. That, that is crazy. weird. That was crazy. Well, let's move on
0: to grades, guys. I'm going to give this a A-. Minus not it it's it's up there for me this year. It ranks, you know, outside of the I mean in the bottom 5 of the top 10 probably for me at this point. Okay. Uh it's pretty it's it's up there. I mean, I think it's I need more consideration to find out where it will uh ultimately end up. Uh but for me this is an A minus, solid movie, very good performances. I think the performances out you know outperform the movie itself and uh that's not necessarily a bad thing so uh i'll give it uh, a minus brian uh
1: it's in straight a for me and i would i also it's it's in the top 10 i would as far as just straight oscar contenders go i for me at this point and there's still a few we haven't seen but for me i it's it's boyhood and and birdman and and this would probably come in third uh at this point for me maybe yeah richard
2: I'm I think I'm gonna cover the spectrum here on the A's. I'm I'm gonna give this an A plus. Ooh, wow, cool. Nice. This is number one for you, Richard, this year. It's it's definitely top two. I think there's one more that's slightly ahead of it. And that would probably be Boyhood.
0: Drafting. Ah. I thought you'd be a Birdman guy.
2: I thought I would too. I thought I would too. But uh those uh boyhood has stuck with me more than Birdman.
0: Yeah. I am somewhere I'm I'm, I'm stuck between Birdman and Boyhood.
2: Honestly, Birdman's incredibly technical too. as as his Boyhood. Birdman is is philosophically important, but not really important to one's life. Whereas Boyhood's the op- opposite. Where I feel
0: yeah, I feel like I felt last year about Gravity and Twelve Years a Slave. Gravity, monumental film. I'll yeah. never see a movie like that. Just couldn't. I was blown away by the achievement of that film. Same yeah. way with with Birdman, Twelve Years a Slave. Wow, I mean, it sticks with you. You think about it a lot. Um, you're just when it's all said and done, you look back and like, okay, that's the best picture of the year. You know, uh-huh. there's no denying it. And uh, I feel that way about Boyhood. It's like, what are we even doing sometimes talking about any other movie? Because Boyhood, it might might end up sweeping it this year. I mean, yeah. Boyhood was, it does, it sticks with you. So,
2: yeah, Boyhood is. I find um, the one I compare the others to, yeah, maybe, and that may be a complete, uh, uh, oh, gosh, symptom of of me seeing it first. Uh, maybe, but yeah. I I really do think it's better in a weird way than than, than all of these. <laughs> it's just really good, and, yeah.
0: it, and it's I won't be upset at all if it ends up like sweet. I mean, I think honestly, I, I told you guys this week I'm putting in the call for Selma. I've heard Selma is just like an incredible film, so yeah. I, I think that one, when, when it you know come come a month from now, will be the yeah. will be the front runner. I'm excited um, to see
1: Selma. It is not doing well with the guilds, though. Is it not? Like okay. it did not get a producers guild nomination. It didn't get a SAG. No, SAG doesn't do a best picture. They do it like an ensemble. It didn't get a uh, writers guild. Oh. Uh, best Picture nomination, but I've also heard that a big part of that is they're not they haven't sent out screeners effectively. So yeah. there's a possibility that that gets corrected in time for yeah, the Academy. About that too. Yeah,
0: there's still time for other films to make to work their way yeah. into this conversation. It's so almost
2: like with Selma that the um, the entire guilds are living in North Texas because they can't <laughs> get screeners. Clean. Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: yep. They basically just can't it. see the
1: movie, guys. Yeah, that's it.
0: Good conversation, guys. Good yeah, good one, and I'm sure we'll talk about it uh, come the end of the year when we talk best and worst of the year.
1: I'm, I'm really excited to do that episode in a yeah, week or two. I, I think that's going to be a fun one this year.
0: It will. Uh, let's hit a quick look Recommend before we get out of here.
2: Weekly Recommend.
0: I'm going to recommend a documentary that I've been meaning to watch for a long time, and it's finally made its way online. It was actually shot uh, a number of years ago, actually five years ago at this point. And it comes to us from one of our great friends and uh, admirers of the podcast, uh, the, our least favorite Franco, James Franco. Uh, he did this Saturday Night Live documentary called Saturday Night. Um, oh,
2: good and job. it's
0: an observational documentary where he he basically just charts a week at SNL, uh, what it's like to work there. And he does it um, for John Malkovich when he came and hosted uh i think in t-
1: 2010 okay yeah and yeah, yeah.
0: so a lot of familiar faces on there Good cast, yeah. uh bill hater and and will forte uh to name a few uh just carry the thing i mean their contribution to that show especially hater is just incredible uh to witness also john Mullaney, also um fred Armisen, of course and uh, a, a lot of great, uh, great stuff. So, I mean, they, they show everything. They show the pitch meeting to the host, and then they show the you know, the first day of writing, which is Tuesday, which they basically everybody stays up for 24 hours straight writing their scripts. They, you know, they turn in 50 scripts to, to the producers, and then they do the table read, and, uh, you know, so on and so forth. They take you through every aspect of a week at snl really differently shot i mean not shot like a typical documentary basically just more observational like i said uh, it's just a camera viewing what's going on but anytime you can get a look at that world really really cool to see it's on hulu right now. i mean if you sign up for the free trial which is what i did you can watch it so um, what's it called saturday night
1: okay so, I knew this was happening, but yeah. I, I wasn't aware that it yeah, was happening. Yeah, it, it so. didn't happen,
0: and there was, there, there was big issues over the rights to it or something, because yeah. NBC technically owned the rights, but they wouldn't let it come out for a long a long time uh, because they didn't want to ruin, I guess, reputations of anyone that was there on the show, if they were still there or whatever. Um, but it's out now, and uh, you can finally watch it. It's called Saturday Night, and uh, that's my recommend. So uh, you'll like it. You'll really like it. It makes me want seth meyers and john mulaney back in the fold mm. those guys really really there's a good chance talent. on one of those yeah really seriously
1: <laughs> so uh,
2: uh on top of that just on top of your recommend uh there's a uh a website called 10 minute mail Do you know what this is guys no no 10 minute mail um makes you a, a email address that expires in 10 minutes all you have to do is copy and paste it and you you own it for 10 minutes And then it self-destructs, and it's really useful for registering things like Hulu Plus for a week. Just a tip. That is a good tip. So go create all these things. Go to 10minutemail.com, and uh, it just generates you an email, and you use it. And you can access – if there's a confirmation email, you can access that for 10 minutes, and then it blows up. You never have to worry about it again until your two weeks run out, and then
1: That's a really
0: good idea. Wow. I'll do that.
2: Uh, What's your recommend, Richard. Mine is a, a podcast I listened to today. Uh we were talking about it a little bit earlier via uh yep. pigeon. We don't text, we actually send pigeons <laughs> right. uh back and forth to each other's house. But uh yeah, it, uh, the uh WTF podcast, which as you guys know stands for Where's the Farm. Yeah, yep. Where our the young... yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but
1: uh Still Dumpy it's... shut up.
2: Yeah, exactly. Classic Dumpy. Uh but it has uh, a director, uh Named Tyler Perry on today. No, yes. a director <laughs> named uh, Paul Thomas Anderson on for two hours. Two Wait, hour interview.
1: Paul Thomas Anderson or Paul W. S. Anderson. No, you're right. It I'm wasn't. only interested
2: in the latter. <laughs> it's well, you're you're in luck because it's two <laughs> hours of Resident Evil. <laughs> like you've never b- behind the scenes. <laughs> Did you know, Mila? Jovovich originally didn't even want to do the first one. Can you imagine the directions it would have taken no, without her? I just can't. No. Well, the, get ready for two hours of what could have been. <laughs> no, it's uh, and he, and uh, Marin, who we are critical of sometimes, but sometimes he is good. Uh, does an excellent job of uh, first off, not making it too much about him. He has his moments, but that's his that's his bit, and I get that. Uh, but he he really goes pretty much chronologically through let's start with your childhood for 20 minutes. Let's do boogie nights for 20 minutes. Let's do Magnolia for 20 minutes all the way up to inherit vice. And, uh, it's a really interesting. Thought provoking conversation. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson is breathtakingly normal, which is so weird because he's so his movies are not.
1: <laughs> yeah. So
2: really normal dude, funny, seem to have a normal childhood. You know, Tarantino, his myth fits his personality. Mm-hmm. And Paul Thomas Anderson seems like Brian like just <laughs> like a guy and uh, and it's a really interesting conversation and I enjoyed it enjoyed it quite a bit so it's you can go to uh, wtfpod.com or, or subscribe on iTunes uh, or after you resubscribe to our podcast and uh, and check it out it's, it's, it's he's someone that doesn't do a lot of interviews and I, if you're interested in, in him at all or filmmaking in general it's it's certainly a, a worthwhile listen so Brian what's your uh, what's your recommend
1: I'm just going to give you a trio of of things we've talked about before, but that are uh, are, are relevant at this moment. Uh, Boyhood comes out on DVD Blu-ray tomorrow for us, uh, so Tuesday it comes out. So if you have not seen Boyhood, and I know that was one that was limited release, it was kind of difficult to see for a lot of people, and or maybe you've forgotten how great it was. Uh, definitely check that out because that's going to be a huge huge player in the coming weeks. Uh, my wife and I have been binging the Americans season two, and it's probably the best show on television. I know we've talked about Americans at length. Oh, you're just, you're just now watching season yes. two. Wow. Yes. We got behind and it got to a point where it was like, okay, we're not going to be able to catch up. So let's just, we're going to do the whole thing at one point. It's good. Stuff. Uh, I saw that season three is, you know, starting in a couple of weeks. We probably, we, we probably ought to do an episode, a, a Rants and Raves episode on that, uh, when season three is over. Cause yeah. I'm not kidding. I really think it might be the best show on television right now. Just
2: telling you this, man. I know.
1: I know you guys have, and I. It's my wife's fault. I'm totally gonna blame it on her. Anything that I can watch by myself, I can binge in two days. But if I've got to wait for her, it it takes time. So
2: yeah, we uh, hate her.
1: But yeah, she's the worst.
2: What (laughs) could matter? But what's important is not only do we have season three of the greatest show on television, Americans. It features American Treasure, Uncle Tony Kornheiser. That's right. So you know it's going to
1: be even even better. Uh, and then uh, you know what, uh, Friends made it to Netflix this week, and that's probably the last great wide audience sitcom that yeah. we may ever have, honestly. And uh, it it holds up so well. You know, it doesn't look great because it's of when it was filmed, but uh, I, that's a major cultural mile touchstone, I guess. And uh, so, if you've never seen Everybody's seen some Friends, right? But if you've never watched the entire thing, uh, I'll probably start my binge here in a... I got to get through Parks and, and Recreation again before, before... The, the new season starts. <laughs> what did I say? Go ahead. Sorry, you were delayed. Oh, sorry. So, I, I, But I, I'd probably start Friends after that. And, and uh, At one point, it was my favorite show of all time. And, and it's a, it's, I think it's... People are coming around on how good that show actually was. So I think for a while it became kind of easy to to, to bash on it, uh, but uh, yeah. So check out any or all of those those things. It's
2: definitely the show. You know, I don't think it's in my top three or maybe even five shows of all time. It's probably in my top ten,
1: mm-hmm. but
2: it's definitely the show I've seen the most. I've yeah. spent more time with those characters probably than anything it's weird to think about but i've probably seen every episode of friends five six seven times
1: yeah and there's just a ton of episodes too tons of
2: episodes and syndication and i know those characters inside and out and it's weird it is weird that i you know it probably is if you were to like rate my brain activity my favorite show of all time but i wouldn't probably put it on there because it's not cool
1: (laughs) yeah yeah totally no that's a great that's a great way to put it but i think we've reached a point Uh, where especially with sitcoms for whatever reason like you're not Big Bang Theory is the biggest show on TV right now but uh, you guys don't watch it and I watch it and it's you know it's fine it doesn't have a cultural impact it doesn't have a footprint um, the way sitcoms did at that time the way Seinfeld does the way Cheers uh, Cheers and Friends and whatever else you know we love The Office we've gone on and on about The Office a thousand times on the show but you know, if I'm talking to my friends, I can talk about the office. If I'm bringing up that that show in the presence of like my coworkers or yeah. my parents or something like that, they don't get it. Whereas friends, I think pretty much everybody has some kind of relation to that show.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. It's uh it's hard to believe that the show ended a decade ago. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not it's that crazy. It was on a decade ago. No, it was over. Yeah. 10 years ago. It's crazy. I remember watching the final episode on TV and I remember
2: uh, taping it for Coach yeah. Starks Kent. He, he came, <laughs> came with me a, in the hallway we, for listeners we had this very cool very young um, African American basketball coach and, and teacher in our school and he was v- always very worried about his street cred. and uh, he, I was a pop culture nut and he kind of knew that he was my basketball coach and he cornered me one time with Richard coming here I need to talk to you real quick and I said what's going on coach and he goes and he looked around like you know he was trying to deal with drugs <laughs> or something and he goes hey you taping that Friends finale? I was like, yeah. He goes, You make me a copy of that? I was like, sure. So I made him like this bootleg Friends copy. And he like had to, you know, give it to him in his car in the parking lot like it was some sort of uh, Soviet document. One of my great high school memories. Good, good recommends,
0: uh, Brian. Uh, I'll have to go check, I'll have to buy Boyhood, of course. And uh, yeah. um, I, I do, we do need to do an Americans episode. You're absolutely yeah, right. be
1: fun.
0: I'm glad uh, Richard still needs to get on Fargo. I do.
1: I do. I'll do that
2: soon. I promise. That's that's like when I say next to my cue, I really mean it. And uh, keep in mind, Americans, when we talk about it, but I want everyone to know because I'm I'm normally right about these things, and so so are Brian and so are Ken. But so is Brian and so is Ken. But uh, Matthew Reese, remember that name? So good. Yeah, he is. He's he's amazing. Uh,
0: We House of Cards season three is premiering in a couple weeks. Uh, as well. So I'm, I'm going to need to go back and catch up back on house of cards
1: too. I love you were, Brian, you were wild
2: cards. about season two, right? I,
1: awesome. I don't know if I'm coming back for season three. I haven't, oh, wow. I haven't made my decision yet. I, I really like season one a lot. Season two had like five or six really, really cool and interesting moments by the end of season two. I just, like, everybody else in the show is a complete idiot, and I can't – I don't know. I have a hard time getting behind – I have a hard time getting behind a show where the main characters get away with whatever they want to get away with because everyone else around them is a moron. Like a, <laughs> yeah. No, I have a feeling – That's problematic.
0: That's more. what I'm waiting for in season three is for everything to just blow up.
1: I just Every, don't feel, feel like face. it is. A, I, th- maybe this is, should be reserved for another episode, but I don't feel like there are any stakes on that show because if yeah. the president of the United States – can can himself like physically murder people and get away with it? There's no stakes anymore. Like he can do whatever he wants. He's untouchable. Yeah. I, I yes,
2: mean. that's the error of having the villain be the protagonist. It's it's hard to pull off logically.
1: Yes. And on that note, Brian, where can we find you online? You can find me on Twitter at bgil12. Uh, you can find my writing at cambabiesdrinkredbull.com. Richard, where can we find you?
2: You can find me on Twitter at Richard Barden. Kent, where can I find you?
0: On Twitter at Kent Garrison and find all of our episodes online at BadAboutMoviesPodcast.com. Find our weekly recommends on there and contact the show on there as well. Just click contact. And on that note, we will see you next time at the cinema. Wow. You know,
2: Bye! Baby, baby, I musical, and toss salad and scrambled eggs.